0: You are listening to the Become a Guitarist Today podcast with Adam Roach. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 160 with my guest today, Steve Janeski from the band Wicked Smile. So in today's podcast, Steve gives us a great insight to each track of the new album, which is called Wait for the Night. Now if you would like to know more about Steve's playing, check out episode number seven, which is in the show notes. So Steve was on back in 2017 where we spoke about more of his playing and the other bands he was in at the time. So the opening track you're hearing is from the new album and it's called Wait For The Night. So again, thank you to my sponsors, Custom Guitar Picks, Musician, and Arnold Korkovka.
1: You don't need a drummer to make an amazing metal song. All you need is access to tracks produced in a great studio by a great engineer. My full length drum tracks are crafted using the best sounding samples I've been developing for over a decade and have been used by thousands of professional musicians worldwide up to the highest level in the industry, including John Five and Gus G. Stop wasting hours of your time trying to program drums and stop wasting tons of money to have your drummer record in a studio for mediocre results. With my drum tracks, you don't need to worry about any of them. Just drag and drop your tracks, press record and you're done. All of that with a killer, authentic sound. So go to my website arnokrakovka.com to start rocking.
0: So make sure you check out the links in the show notes to all my sponsors, and there's also a link there where you can pre-order my new album coming out in December with Phoenix van der Weyden. So let's go over to the interview now with Steve Janeski from Wicked Smile. The last time we actually, you were on the podcast was um, episode 7, August 2017. Wow, and
2: have not some things changed since then?
0: (laughs) (laughs) The world has changed, hasn't it? Oh yeah. yeah, Definitely. So we don't don't need to talk about your guitar playing so we'll just get straight into the
2: album if that's all right absolutely yeah it's something uh that i've been wanting to do for a long time and after uh leaving my old band black majesty uh i parted ways with them and i had been in that band for almost 20 years so it was a long spell and it was just time for a change for me i'm still best mates with all the guys and uh it was just one of those things that i needed to do and then I had a bit more time on my hands and I started writing some songs at him. and I think I wrote about four tracks, which be, ended up becoming Wicked Smile tracks and I sent them over to my producer friend Paul Lane in Canada and he loved them. And from there we just said, look, let's, let's do this because he co-wrote a lot of the tracks with me and I, yeah, have just really enjoyed writing in the style of – uh, a lot of the music that I grew up with, you know, and influenced me. I mean, we've got elements of very much '70s, '80s, and particularly '80s influenced. And uh, you know, you're in our band, you'll hear influences of Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Dio, Skid Row, Dokken, uh, a bit of Van Halen. You know, it's just a big, big sort of mix um, into the pot. And then you you, you get wicked smiles. So. It was important to me to come up with something guitar based because I've grown up loving a lot of those guitar players from that era. So, um, so far, so good, and the response has been amazing. Yeah, that's yeah. good. I mean,
0: I listened to the old I must say it's fantastic. Just every song.
2: Thank you. Thank you. It was because I, I spent quite a lot of time on it, um, Labour of Love, of course. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that I was really happy with the songs and, uh, like, you know, I think back of all my favourite albums, whether it be uh, Rainbow Rising or, you know, Van Halen 5150 or any lots of Van Halen albums, uh, Skid Row debut album, Dock and Tooth and Nail, they all had fantastic songs. So really wanted to make sure there was no filler tracks and, yeah, the reviews have been amazing.
0: Yeah. Now, last time we did talk, you, you had both bands going, Radio Sun and Black Majesty, and I remember we are talking about how you know, when you write your songs, do you write for like one particular one or cause different styles, but do you find with this band, it's a bit of a
2: mix with both bands? Yeah, it's probably a mix of uh, Black Majesty and the Radio Sun in some sense, uh, but again, it, I'm going back to my roots and, and that was a real uh, important thing to just almost sort of give a tip of the hat to um, a lot of my favourite artists. So I very much started writing Wicked Smile stuff with with that intention and the objective to be in that style of uh, 80s hard rock and heavy metal. And, yeah, it's, it's come together really well. And I've just been amazed. Maybe because of COVID, I don't know, but I think a lot of people have taken the risk on a new band because, the like, we're you know, we've sold so many pre-orders and the album's finally out in Australia. Uh, it's released in the rest of the world next week and we've got a label in the UK, we've got a label in Japan uh, and, yeah, it's been fantastic. And there were so many uh, offers of record deals and I know that may sound strange to some people but because we've been doing this and all the members in the band have been part of the scene for a long time. Many of us had signed record deals and stuff in the past. And this time we wanted to make, uh, it was just a real important thing for us to make sure that we owned our songs Mm -hmm. Um, in the past. Sometimes you have to share publishing with, uh, you know, the label and stuff. And, you know, this time we didn't want to do that. We wanted to basically be our own record label. And even though we've signed with some record labels, they're distributing the album. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Japan, Biki Music, and in the UK, uh, Europe, it's uh, Cargo Records. So they're distributing, and uh, yeah, we're pretty much supplying with the product. and we run it in Australia, of course, and uh, it's just worked out really well for us. Um, so a lot of experience, I think, um, but but that's been uh, something that you know we're really confident with, and and just the response from people on social media. I think things have changed so much in the industry that you can be your own record company mm-hmm. and have success um, with it. Like I've seen a lot of bands do it, and you get to retain your own songs. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. fantastic,
0: especially these songs. Yeah, you know. It's good to have a hold of those. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, Adam.
2: With the, the songwriting for the album, were you the main songwriter? Yeah, I started off writing the first batch of songs and then I sent them to my producer friend, Paul, and then he had a listen and loved them. And then we started writing together. So predominantly well, all of the album we've actually written together, uh, more or less. And we had a direction in mind and we wanted to stick to it. But having said that, we wanted to make sure that we included all the elements that make an album, a good album. Like for example, uh, you listen to, um, some albums, and they're all flat out, and that's cool if you if that's what you want. Mm. But for us, it was important to have you know your fast paced up tempo songs, mid, and then you, you, like a ballad. We wanted a ballad, and then also we wanted that Black Sabbath kind of slow heavy song with a song called Sign of Times. Mm. And, you know, we, we mixed up the keys of songs as well, like so they're all not in E or E flat yeah. um, just to prick up the listener, you know, because there are many albums like that as well. But, uh, you know, I think that's important. And when we selected the songs for the album as well, we, we didn't want two songs you know, back-to-back that were, let's say, for example, in F-sharp or E. Um, so we really thought about that, thought about, you know, a lot of light and shade and um, who knows, maybe if, if the album does come out on vinyl, we've thought about that as well, like a side A, side B. So, yeah.
0: And I think having Danny on vocals, his range, he pretty much anything, so like you're talking about with
2: the, with the keys, I guess, wouldn't really matter, would it? Well, yeah, and when I first started the band, that was an important thing. Um, Doing that style of music, singers like Dio and uh, Rob Halford and Sammy Hager, they've all got amazing registers and they can sing, you know, very high, but they can also sing low and, you know, hear the timbre in voices and stuff. So that was very important when choosing the singer. So... After uh, meeting with Danny and playing him a couple of the songs, we recorded We Fall and uh, that's when we thought, yep, this is it. Let's go from um, here and slowly, slowly we continued to record tracks and then we added members to the band. So we've got on uh, guitar also we've got Dave Graham who's an absolute amazing guitar player and he shreds on the album and he's just a fantastic yeah just just thinker in terms of guitar and what i mean by that is is that i'm really into guitar tones as well as like a many guitar players and we've got a similar um similar ideas in terms that we like the big fat guitar sounds like you know many of those classic artists and we have we share a similar thing and on the album we recorded all of it is our amps and so it's our sound so when, you know, my biggest pet hate sometimes when you see a band, you may get a producer, and, you know, a lot of money's been spent by a record company and they have this big sounding band um, on the record. And then you go to see them and it doesn't sound like that. And you yeah. think to yourself, well, doesn't that defeat the purpose? It's more the producers who are making the sound, not the band and the artists. So um, we've worked a lot on our tone for many years. And um, yeah, what you hear is what you get live as well. So, I'm playing a and Kettner Triumph and Dave's playing a, a PV 5150 and together you kind of have the Wicked Smile guitar tone. And we've also got um, Glenn Cav on bass um, who uh, in the Melbourne scene or in the Australian scene previously played in a band called Virtue and on drums we've got Jason Toro. Um, an ex Englishman um, who migrated to Australia about 20 years ago. So um, yeah, it's just a fantastic band, good good people, and that's important. And uh, good
0: musos. Yeah, but like you're saying about the guitar tone, that's one of the notes I wrote down in my notes here that after listening to the album, the guitar tone is just spot on. Like the it's just really clear. Like you know, sometimes you hear some albums that are really distorted, like a lot of distortion, but it's hard to figure out you know note for note what's going on. But you guys. It's, go down pat perfect thank
2: you thank you yeah well it depends for us it depends on the song like for example in the ballad like um, even though you're hearing distortion um when the band kicks in like we're only on about three on the the gain stage um just because of that's what works for that song and then there'll be something like we fall um which is you know a bit more of a fatter guitar tone we're on about five or six but uh, never on 10, I know that sounds strange because a lot of uh, when I was a kid, I thought, you know, let's put it all on 10, you know, and, and uh, then I'd listen back to a recording. I think, well, it sounds like a mosquito. <laughs> um, and most of those bands, you know, whether it be so I mean, Angus Young's probably um, and Malcolm Young probably recorded a lot of their albums with The Gain on about two or three, I'd say, because, and that's what makes it sound big. And of course, then you've got Glenn Cab's big bass sound. So you need room for everything. And it's all about, I think, frequencies. So guitars kind of fit a certain part, bass and and drums, and then you've got um, vocals. So there's a lot to, to jam in there, but, Thank you. No, I appreciate it, Adam. It's something that we really um, tailored and I uh, am absolutely rapt that Dave, the other guitar player, has a similar vision in terms of the sonic sound. So, yeah, so far so good in terms of live shows as well. Every show that we've played in Melbourne has been a sellout. So, unfortunately, we're in COVID now, but we owe a show which is sold out as well. So, as soon as we're out of... um, covid um pandemic and have you know the ability to play live again i know we're probably not ever going to be out of it but um but yeah you know what i mean it's uh it's something that we're really looking forward to as well emulating what we do and and we we road tested a lot of the songs and yeah so it's it's been amazing and the the first track date with the devil it's just a great opener as well Thank you. Yeah, that's that was one of the last songs that I wrote actually for the album, and Dave being like a just a really technical player, I said, "Man, this is your you know time to shine." And um, so yeah, he just wails over, it and it just sounds so um, so cool. And a- immediately you think, you know, you get the idea of what the band is about. You know, yeah. we're a um, kick-ass. Five piece, yeah, band two two guitars and um, fantastic vocals. You know, oh, yeah. Danny Chicardi, yep. Danny's voice. Like, I really haven't heard that voice around in Melbourne anyway. Yeah, yeah. well, um, Danny's been around for a long time. I've known Danny for years. So when I started back in the day, I mean, my one of my first bands, Cyclone Tracy, um, would be gigging with one of his old bands, Pegasus. So we, we've known each other for for a long time and when it was time to find the singer, and this shows you how good friends um, I am still with the guys in Black Majesty, I asked the singer Gio from Black Majesty, I said, "Um, do you think Danny would be available um, or would be into it? And he said, "Um, I'll ask for you, you know, so um, he kind of helped tee that up. So yeah, it's, it's amazing. And I've been very blessed with the singers that I've been able to work with over the years and yeah Danny can sing anything really like we said before it doesn't matter what key your song's in he can do it you know and I know sometimes that can be a problem for some.
0: Track two, which is Wait for the Night. Now, straight away, just took me back to the the
2: metal days. You know, it's like, yes. Cool. Cheers. Yeah, uh, that one was very uh, Dio-inspired, so it was written that way on purpose and kind of my tip of the hat to Vivian Campbell and, uh, you know, the early Dio albums, which I absolutely love. Lyrically, it kind of encompasses what we are about as well. I mean, we've got this little sort of vampire sort of theme going and uh, has that Nosferatu lyrics to the song Wait for the Night. So it's the title track, yeah. And you got the video um, clip of Yeah, and that, that was recorded uh, at home as we were kind of, and we wanted to show um, how we do record. And we didn't really have much option because it was part of lockdown. So that's why we um, put that video clip out there. It's very low budget, but it gives um, people an indication of, you know, how we go about it because everyone's got their home studio and yeah, it was it's just a, a fun clip. And
0: then we go to track three, which is we fall, which you spoke about before with the um uh, the didger do at the start. Now is that real
2: ditch or sample ditch? Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) well, it is sampled. But I—that was one. That was an idea where I uh, reached out to Paul and I said, "This is what I'm thinking. I want people from around the world, as soon as they hear this song, to think Australia." And I thought, "What better than a didgeridoo?" So, um, yeah, it's very short. Then we we get into the song. So I didn't want it too long, but I do think it works quite well. Yeah. Which one of you guys had the pinch harmonics? That was that was me. Okay. Yeah, that was myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you kind of get a bit of Zach Wilde yeah. influence <laughs> in that one. So yeah, it's uh, again showing our influences, but uh, yeah, just the Zach Wilde. You know, always had that big guitar sound, and yeah, so that that was that was all yeah me.
0: Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. But it's funny though, like, like I guess it's just one of those things. Same like you know, someone does tapping. Oh. Van Halen or
2: doing pinch harmonics. It's like wild, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But but then again, I mean, you had guys like George Lynch on uh, Back for the Attack yeah. on "On The Kiss of Death. I remember back when I was in high school hearing, you know, the pinch harmonics and, the, wow, what was that? Yeah. Um, Randy Rhodes, you know, some used it sometimes as well. There's, you know, lots of guitar players. But, yeah, I, I guess Zach has made it his thing for sure. Yep we actually use quite a, a lot of guitars on the album and um I'll, you know i'm a, a jackson player and dave's a Charvel player but we used a bunch of you know, different different axes and uh i think that one was one of my dinkies yeah and it just it's something about the guitar and the pickups and the wood it just worked and that's probably the fattest sound i've got on the album
0: yeah and the, yeah. the chorus is great the really catchy chorus and that uh, the last note that Danny hits right at the end, like, whoa, <laughs> it's up there.
2: Oh, crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, we recorded that one. We recorded that in the Black Majesty Singers studio and I remember just just looking at Danny going, oh, my gosh. <laughs> 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 That's just unbelievable. So, um, yeah, that was the first song that we recorded for the album.
0: Sign of Times. Now I just wrote right down here again, another str- I mean, they're all strong vocals, but this one really stood out as a, a strong vocal for Danny. And um it's like a semi-ballad in a way, but not really.
2: Yeah, it was kind of influenced by the uh Black Sabbath cross-purposes era. Tony Martin, uh, I guess a little bit of the the Dio era as well, of um, yeah, some of his earlier stuff when he uh, when he was in Black Sabbath as well. But yeah, I remember Danny sent us the vocal to see if we if it was okay. That was what he said. He goes, he sent it to the band. He said, um, you know, is this okay? <laughs> I remember particularly because I I, I wrote the song. I, I was just like, I'd stopped. I, I was in a car parking lot. I was about to go going to the store, and I, I listened to it, and it just it amazed me. It just sounded awesome, and it wasn't even mixed yet. It was just just his um take on the vocal and you know there, you know things were kind of all over the place in terms of the mix but it just was amazing yeah. and i remember saying to the drummer jason i think i said that's one of the best vocal performances i've ever heard <laughs> you know i mean it's just like amazing yeah. and yeah. and then yeah then uh once it was mixed it sounded even better of course but yeah, man, sometimes I don't know if Danny knows how good he is. Yeah. <laughs> like, is, this, is the uh, vocal okay? Like, are you serious? It's amazing. Yeah, so, yeah oh, absolutely he's, awesome. No. He's world class. There's no doubt about it. And oh. uh, that's what we're really looking forward to. We're really looking forward to, you know, touring the band worldwide uh, where we're already booked in for a UK, possibly greater Europe tour um, and that's already booked in for November of 2022, so a bit over a year's time, and we can't wait. Fingers crossed, everything's all okay. Yeah. We can travel and stuff. That's it. <laughs> but I mean, like I
0: said, he's definitely world class. I mean, for me, he's up there with the the D.O.s of Bruce
2: Dickinson's. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah, and you know, he he loves. He's very similar, I think, to all the band members. Um, within we could smile because we've all grown up with heavy rock and metal yep. um danny moore on the probably the metal side and um, yeah so we were um i remember just before lockdown we were uh, making our clip for the, the next single Date with the devil and and someone mentioned something about the band sabotage he said i love sabotage and you can tell you just you, you hear his influences of Um, bands like Sabotage and Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and it's uh, King Diamond's another one it's just fantastic it really is
0: The next song is days of delirium All Right down here that's
2: got the is that the drop tuning for that one yeah yeah um i wrote that one originally in the key of e i'd for some reason i just thought i'm going to try it in you know do the low d and you know the the, the unchained van halen thing <laughs> and, um, and i just thought wow it just sounds even bigger now it started out as a riff i didn't have a verse i remember i didn't have a verse but i had a chorus so the um The woe part and the chorus like I had that locked in and I sent it to Paul and um, Paul helped with a melody for the verse then we wrote the lyrics and it just sounds so good it's our encore song when we play like for the the shows that we've played that's the the sing-along song that people have really sort of gravitated towards and yeah, it just, just goes down a treat because, you know, Danny gets the, the the crowd singing along and it's it works really well and it sticks in your head. It's one of those catchy songs, I guess. When I wrote the solo of that song, it, I was thinking a little bit more, uh, a bit more Gary Moore, believe it or not, and thinking of Out in the Fields. Like That's that funny. was my sort of, um, and again, it's like the sing-along solo kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which I love and I think is so important, you know, to play melodically and stuff like that. So um, with that, uh, some solos I don't have something in my head before, but for that song, Days of Delirium, I always thought of Gary Moore and yeah, Out in the Fields, yep. um, you know, not the shred part. I mean more just the melody part. Yep.
0: Now, next one, you got the film clip for as well, Killer At
2: Large. Killer At Large, yeah. Uh, Killer At Large started with I wanted to write a Dockin sort of song, an inspired song. So in the verse you've got the out, ah, you ah, ah, like classic sort of Dockin, mid-tempo tune. Yeah, and then I, I, I wrote all the music for it. I think I had the bulk of the song and Paul helped out with uh, the, the chorus and the, the lyrics and then I added the intro, um, which was more of a, a hook in the chorus. Um, and I start the song with that. So that was more of a, even though I'm not a huge U2 fan, but I love how U2's got those very basic, catchy things about them. So that, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. That was the inspiration there. Yeah. I think is that one you had the, the key change for the guitar solo as well. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, with that one, yeah, we wanted to keep it pretty basic with the solo there. It was, uh, I remember I was playing my Phil Colin, uh, Jackson for that one. And I'm using the sustainer and it just sounded so cool. So, uh, it's not me going up to the amp or anything for the sustain. It's actually a sustainer, um, pickup. It, It just, yeah, it worked so, so well. Basic solo, but it just works for the
1: song.
0: So next song, again, you've got the film clip four, which um, I think I saw you guys down at GM. Just getting you prepared for that one? Yes, <laughs> yes, you certainly did. <laughs> yes.
2: That was uh, for Last Goodbye. Yep. That one is inspired by J.K. Lee, kind of uh, Ozzy Osbourne era with the um, the intro riff and stuff, and um, lyrically it's a bit of a sad song, but that's one thing that we wanted to make sure that we, we loved the 80s and stuff, but we didn't want it to make it, you know, all sex, drugs, rock and roll, you know, the obvious love songs and stuff like that. So we really wanted to go to different places lyrically and you've got that one uh, with Last Goodbye, you know, losing someone before their time. And in other songs we're talking about mental health and um, some other songs we're talking about just the world and um, heavy metal kids and stuff and, you know, not getting a fair go and just because of the way they look, you know, long hair, denim jackets, leather jackets, so on. So on. I – remember recording Last Goodbye and questioning if it was going to be good enough uh, a song and I remember the bass player Glenn Cav saying nah man that's one of my favorite songs. Um, So I'm glad that we stuck with it and um, we finished the song and we recorded it and uh, yeah, it did come out pretty well I think.
0: Next one is Love's Got a Hold On You.
2: Love's Got a Hold On You started out as I wanted to write like a skid row influence sort of song, you know, monkey business kind of thing. And that's when you've got that down, 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 you know, the the riff in F sharp, um, which always sounds cool to me. Um, uh, So writing songs in F sharp, it always seems to sound heavier and more, you know, cuts a lot more. Uh, And then, that was probably, I think, the second song that I wrote for the album, and I wrote that again with Paul Lane, and it just I, I think it's a it's a real beautiful song, even though it's very like uh, it's ballsy, but it just it just works. And that one is uh, a little bit different because it does mention love, but in a in a little bit of a different way, not a cliche way, I think. Yeah, a solo that I play with Dave, and I think that works, you know, really really well, and it's not. What you may expect from a metal hard rock thing—it's a little bit more melody focused, you know, with the harmony solo. And yeah, I I think it just shows growth that you don't always have to play fast all the time. Yeah, I think you must have read my cheat sheet. (laughs)
0: Exactly what I was going to ask you. (laughs) 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 I got here about the. I'll uh, stop
2: talking. I'll stop talking at the moment.
0: (laughs) I got here harmony guitar solo. I was going to ask you, like, did you guys play it? Separately or, or together? One person?
2: No, no, no. Um, I actually recorded the, the, the guitars. It was So it was, it was me. Um, and that was before Dave was actually in the band. So this is, we, we were um, a four-piece at that stage. And Dave, I will talk about some of the, the, the songs that he's on, but I, I've mentioned Date With The Devil, which he just absolutely shreds on. Mm. And um, there's a couple of other tracks coming up. But, yeah, with um, Love's Got A Hold On You, it was me, and it's just one harmony. I just really made an effort to, you know, play on the um, the, the neck pickup and have that sort of the real surfing kind of, yep. you know, uh, solo, you know, melody. And the backup vocals too. in this one's really good. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. And um, Paul helped Danny out there as well. But uh, yeah, we're really, really proud with the way that comes together, and we all sing live. So we, yeah, we're very, very uh, proud of that as well. Uh, Now, number nine, Don't Wait For Me, the the ballad. Yeah, Don't Wait For Me is a fantastic track. And I I can't take credit there because that's a Paul um, brought that song to the table and fantastic lyrics. I think it's, you know, it's very touching. And Dave Graham plays the solo in that song. And I think it just, he just nails it. Like, because I'm a big fan of ballads taking you on a ride. So it really starts off uh, with a, Fantastic emotional vocal And in some ways You know People are saying I didn't even know Danny could sing like that Because he's He's singing in a different ways Using a yeah. falsetto And it really builds And by the time you get Halfway through the, the song You get the solo And you You know The, the heavy guitars And Dave just plays A, a fantastic solo kind of reminds me Not that it's similar But Kind of like Skid Row I Remember You mm. Where um, Scotty Hill Plays the solo And you just think what a perfect solo and it's not all chops and fast playing but it's just the choice of notes is fantastic. Yep. Yeah. so I'm playing acoustic live on that one yeah.
1: Every story has an end, My love. And every journey has its start.
2: The time has come. Now it brings us to our last track, stronger. Yeah, Stronger. Um, this is one song that I wrote on my own. It, I, it's a bit of a selfish one lyrically because it describes uh, what my daughter was going through in high school because uh, it talks about bullying and stuff. And, you know, she struggled at times because being a female playing guitar and playing heavy rock guitar at a school where basically it was all, all the kids were into rap music and R&B. It didn't sort of go down so well. Mm. And, um, you know, you had, you know, some kids questioning, oh, you know, why, you know, I don't get it. It just sounds loud and blah, blah, blah. And she, um, often, you know, would come home. I remember in year seven, she'd come home crying and sad saying, you know, dad, they don't get it. You know that. And I said, you know what, sometimes kids are not going to get it. Mm. And, um, Like, you know, that was really tough for me because when I went to high school, I'm sure you were very similar, Adam, that if you had a guitar and you were going to school with your guitar case, you were the cool kid, you know, whereas (laughs) somehow things have changed, you know, and probably because she's a girl, as sad as that sounds, um, some of the guys would give her a hard time because, you know, you're a girl, you know, you you can't shred like us, you know, and it's like, well, she never said she was a shredder. She wants to play rock guitar, you know, Um, that kind of thing. Um, So lyrically I talk about that and how over the years in high school she became stronger and I'm really proud of that because it just showed um, a person disregarding what other people think and just going with what they wanted to go with. And she, I think at the age of uh, 13, released her first single, again, which some people questioned um, in high school And then as she kept going and, like, you know, second single, third single, fourth single, fifth single, writing some of these songs and and then starting to perform and play live, she won over people, you know, and some of those people who were giving her a hard time were then starting to ask her for advice in music class, you know, Mm. and it's like the whole wheel turned, you know, and so then she was becoming like a a cool kid with some kids, you know. So it was a great learning experience for her. It was um, quite challenging for me as a parent, but I was very, very proud that she, um, you know, just basically went about it. And um, like, I I tried to sort of give her examples of artists like Joan Jett and Lita Ford and um, how it would have been hard for them as well. Pat Benatar, the Wilson sisters in Heart and stuff. And then, you know, you'd have bands like Hailstorm and Lizzie Hale, you know, being a big advocate for, women as well. I think that helped her, her music helped her. I know definitely um, the band Hailstorm did because she'd come home researching Hailstorm and stuff and um, and it was awesome, you know, and I just thought that is so, so cool. And I told her, I said, you know what, one day, you know, there'll be some kids who will be, you know, in envy of you, you know, they'll finally get what you're trying to do. And the biggest thing that I'm most proud of now is that she's also an advocate for Metalheads Against Bullying which is a um, it's a community a social on the web a community where people talk about you know some of the troubles that they may have in high school and stuff and um, even for older people you know whether they have depression or and anybody really but um, and you know we talk about how rock music and heavy metal can get you through and um, sometimes I think all of us have been, you know, had problems like that. Um, I remember in high school, like I had a teacher who'd always, you know, bug me about, you know, oh, you know, you your uh, your hair's too long or you you know, why are you why are you writing Dio on your school books, you know? <laughs> or Judas Priest or Kiss or Van Halen, you know, and they're like, you know, so yeah, but I'm I'm really proud of, you know, how she's um She's now 18 years old and she's really moving forward with her career, and that's absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, I'm her number one fan. I'm just so proud of her. So the song Stronger is about Cassidy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That pretty much covers the album so um yeah but i really want to thank you again for your time and give me the pleasure to
2: listen to the album thank you man no look it's uh it's uh something i'm very very proud of um i put a lot of work into it um from the ground up and uh whether it be the songwriting and then the recording the recording process and then the band i put together i'm i'm very proud of it and and now we're starting to reap some of the rewards by getting some amazing reviews, and yeah. um, that's that's really awesome. And and even people are, we're selling so so many T-shirts and merch and um, CDs all over the world. It's just it's it's amazing. It really is. Yeah, I'm a loss for words in that way. You yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely deserve it. Thank you, thank you, thanks, Adam. Cheers.